Then if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we are continuing in our series called I Love My Church. Anybody here love their church? Woo! I love my church. I love, I love all of you. And, uh, you know, we've been in this series just looking at the early church and, and just the, the mission and heartbeat that God intended for his church and what that means for us. And I would encourage you, if you call this church your home, uh, your family, that if you have not been able to make it uh, to one of the, the services in this series, you can go watch them on YouTube. Just search Joy Medford or go to joymedford.com. I particularly encourage you to, to watch last Sunday's service. If you were not here last Sunday, Pastor Steve um, and Pastor Kim, they shared a great message on just the heart of the early church and the heart of our church to be a church and a people that are generous um, towards God and not towards self. And it was a really foundational message for who we are as a people, that we're a people of joy, and generosity, amen. So there's so much in this series, so go watch those, those services. And uh, you know, if you're here and you've maybe never been to Joy or you say, man, I'm looking for a church that's on mission, that wants to make an impact in our city and our, our region, uh, you're in the right church. Uh, if you're in a church that's in the, the business of seeing lives transformed, you're in the right church, amen. So we're gonna, dive right in this morning and looking at um, this reality that because I love my church, I participate, that I'm devoted to generosity of my life. And um, so in Acts 2, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the fellowship or the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship uh, those who were being saved. Amen? That's a good church. Uh, Matthew 20, 28, we'll read this and then we'll pray. It says, for even the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking, even the Son of Man, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living, it's powerful, and it changes our life. And Lord, over these next moments, we pray you would speak to us, that you would open our ears and you would open our hearts. God, our intention is to be ready uh, listeners, ready to hear and obey and to live out this message. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to have your way, to speak, to move. And Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you, we pray that this morning you would draw them to you. We need you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can you say open hands and open hearts? Oh, awesome. Uh, you know, I remember so well uh, the day that, that, that I found out I was expecting Wesley and just the joy and anticipation that Riley and I had. You know, we're like, oh, we're going to have a baby. You know, we're like excited. We weren't quite, neither of us are actually like that, so it wasn't quite so, ah. It was like, oh my goodness, having a baby, and um, and I remember we were we were <laughs> Riley's laughing because we are pretty like, Meh. and um, <laughs> it was very engineered, you know. It was like we are having a baby, uh, 
Let's be honest, you know? So, um, I remember we were excited, right? And you have like 10 months of buildup, you know? We're like, we're having a baby. This is going to be awesome. Like, you know, and, and you're pretty much convinced that when it's your child going to be born, you're like, everyone's blessed, but you're like, I don't know how or why, but my child's going to be born speaking French. Um, like, they're just going to have, you know, you're like, we don't speak French, but my baby's going to like walk, talk, and like have good manners, like out of the womb, you know? Just have weird expectations. And, and so we were so excited, you know? We're like, we're going to have a baby. And... And then, like, the months were getting closer, and we started to have this inkling, like, maybe our life's going to change a little bit, <laughs> just slightly. You know, like, the, the, the joy and anticipation was there, but it was starting to be like, we're like, as my father would say, we were married singles, like, dub, dinks, double income, no kids. You know, like, you go where you want to go, you spend your money how you want, you're like, hey, let's go on a road trip. Like, we were living life pretty well. So we started to realize as, as Wesley approached that life might look slightly different. But then July 27th happened. And if you know us, you know you said July 27th wasn't your son born July 26th. You are correct. But July 27th was the game-changing moment. Because about 36 hours after Prince Wesley arrived, <laughs> and the pulp and circumstance was over, and there was no one at the hospital serving me chicken strips whenever I wanted, and everyone went home. We found ourselves at about 2 or 3 a.m. going, what just happened? We're millennials. Everything can be returned to Amazon. And there is, there's no return to sender. Like, this was the wrong box. We were supposed to get, we were supposed to get the non-crying or pooping baby. I remember literally, it was about 3 a.m. And, you know, we're like, what? This is our whole life. You know, you're imagining a 20-year-old son, like, weeping in the middle of the night. You know, you're like, we're... I just... Life was... Had begun and finished at the same time in that moment. And I remember us looking at each other like, what do we do? We wanted to cry at that moment, you know? He's, he's here, and he's not gone. And... It's interesting because we are in this series called I Love My Church, and I think about what that means, and I think about the early church. And the reality is that really what the church Jesus intends to have and is building looks a lot more like the commitment of marriage and having a child. There is no half in. There's no tiered system, layered system of commitment to the house of God. When you join the kingdom of, of God, when you receive Jesus Christ and you became part of his bride, his church, he, he has one invitation and it's all in. Like there's no return to sender. Like it's, you get the whole church the, with the poopy diapers and crying as well. Like the early church recognized that, that this Jesus that, that, that came and he lived and he gave his life on the cross and he rose again and, he, and then he ascended into heaven and he left them to build the church just like he's, he's left us to build the church. There was one invitation. It was that you were all in followers of Jesus. There was no other way. It will cost you everything. And 
you know, we're funny at church because we, we come and we're like, man, we're so glad you're here. You know, you come, we're like, welcome to Joy Church, man. It's so good to have you. You know, and we're like, we're like, there's coffee, there's donuts, and there's even a fun gift in your welcome packet, you know. And then you like, you join the team and we're like, all right, you're on the team. Awesome. Get, on, get out on the field. And you're like, what happened to the free coffee? You know, we're like, drink it while you work. Right? That's right. You guys are like, that's true. We, you know, we're, we're aware of this. Listen, the, the, early, the, the early church, there was no, like, they didn't come together and they're like, ah, I'm going to just kind of like, maybe like I'll just kind of like sort of give a little bit of my money and a little bit of my time. They were like, Jesus has changed our life. Here's all of our chips. Here's everything. Here's our time. Here's our relationships. Here's our careers. Here's our everything we have. It's all about him. It's all for his glory. And, and it doesn't matter if I have the same like personality type. It doesn't matter what your Enneagram number is. Like we're all in this together. And for all the young people, we're all in this together. High school musical, you're welcome. I want you to meet a family in, in, in their, their name, uh, the man's name is Stephanus, and we find him in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want us to look at this family that when they encountered Jesus, and the gospel came to a people who had not heard about Jesus yet. And so we find in a really broken city, in the city of Corinth, and in, in, in the place of Greece, people who are far from God, and the gospel comes, and Stephanus, we find, has an encounter with God, and it changed his life, and it changed his family. And so in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15, it says, you know, this is Paul talking, he says, you know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece, and they are spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. I am very glad that Stephanus and Fortunatus, he was a fortunate man, and Acacius, just, nobody, all right. Acacius have come here, for they have been providing the help you weren't here to give me, and they have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. You must show your appreciation to all who serve so well. So we find this man, Stephanus, in his whole home, and the Bible tells us they were the first believers, they were the first converts, the first people to respond to the gospel in this city. And, and, and some scholars believe that Stephanus was actually probably a man of influence and a man of wealth. But when he encountered Jesus Christ, he switched kingdoms. And when he encountered Jesus Christ, he began to lead so contrary to these people in this land of Corinth. And he came in and he encountered Jesus and it was like all the chips of the Stephanus family were on the table. He comely says he's, that they were spending their lives, they were spending their lives in service and devotion to the people of God. They were giving everything. When we look at the life of Stephanus and we see this throughout the Bible and we see this in the life of Jesus, because Stephanus simply followed the example of Jesus, we see two areas of generosity, of living, that God is calling us here thousands of years later to still live. And the first thing, two core ways we live generously, we see in the life of Stephanus is he lived with open hands. 
He lived with open hands, giving and serving, practically or serving in the local church. You ever, um, you ever had that situation, you know, maybe, maybe someone next to you has said this, probably not you, but, but, but someone else, and they're like, man, the church really needs to do something about that. Anybody? You're like, no, not us. Mm -mm. There's another church. There's a church down the road. You know, you're with people and they're like, man, the church just needs to help that family. The church just needs to, here's the thing. We all need to change the words, the church. Because biblically speaking, the church is mua. You and I. Us. Us. We are the church. And when the church and the early church caught this, and this is the heart of our church is this, is that we are the church. That when needs arise, when, situ when there's a situation in our city, we're not waiting for the building to uproot and move to the need. You are the church. We are the church. And we're waiting for like, who's gonna go? You know, will the church go? Look in the mirror. We're the church. When the need comes and we're like, man, the church, man, we really need to see, like, like when that offering bucket passes, we're throwing in because we're like, we are the church meeting this need together, building the kingdom of God together, going together. Who's the church? We're the church. And Stephanus caught this. Says he was spending their life. The early church, when you read it, it's, it's challenging to me. It's so challenging to our Western culture mindset because there was no delineation. Like, they were all in. They're like, we're Jesus people. Like, everything is for building his kingdom. Yeah. Everything. And that was Stephanus. I think it's so easy to live and think it's some ambiguous, the church needs to do that. And God's saying, you are my church. You see, the real reality when we see in the Bible, Ephesians 4 talks about the, 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 the five-fold ministry. And it talks about the, the, the work of the prophet and the pastor and the mage, all that. It's actually to put tools in the hands of every believer. It says that their job is to equip the saints. Who's the saints? Us, we're the saints marching in. And he, it's to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. The work of the church is when we, the saints, gather together, we receive the marching orders, we receive the word of God, we get tools in our hands, and the six other days of the week, we're in our community being the church, meeting the needs of the church, loving people, being the hands and the feet of Jesus in our community. We are the church. And so we come, it looks a lot more like we come ready and the job of, of the pastors and the staff, it's just to get, get tools in all of our hands to go out into our community and make a difference. Amen? You know, today is so amazing because um, we see this twofold open hands looks like generosity of, of meeting tangible needs, financially giving generously to the house of God, meeting needs that in, in people's lives, and it looks like serving. And I think about today, there's a whole group of people that after service today, 
They're going to be up in our children's wing, tearing down a wall, painting the entire children's wing, starting a remodel project that many of you gave in the victory offering to give towards a remodel of our whole kid's wing. And so the generosity of you sowing in God's house and the generosity of people using their hands to tear down walls and build things up, come on, that's the picture of the church being the church. Can we give a hand? I love it. Second, we see that Stephanus, he wasn't just living open-handed. And his family, this beautiful picture, because it says his household. I think it's not the picture that we come to church with our family and we say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The Stephanus family, the, the Amon family, the, the fill in your family, the blank family. That there were households who come into the house of God. And we serve open-handed. But the second thing is it says, it, it talks about we serve open-hearted. We live generous relationally. And you know, it's interesting because Paul writes about this guy, Stephanus, and he actually says, hey, myself, uh, Paul's saying that Stephanus and two other guys, they left the city in Corinth, and they came to me when I was in need, and they were a strength to me relationally when you guys couldn't be there. And they came, and they didn't just serve their serve tangibly to meet the needs of people in Corinth, but they came to serve relationally. And that's the picture that, see, God doesn't just want you to come to church and just kind of Fill in your duty of serving at the dream. You know, I, I put in my time at Kids Zone and I put in my time serving first impressions. That's not the picture. It's not just throwing money into the bucket and leaving, but it's so much more than that. It's that also we are present in relationship. That the church is that I'm not just going to come and greet you on a Sunday, but I'm going to sit in my living room with you and share my life with you. That I'm going to open my home and my table to, to share with you in the gift of hospitality and open our lives. And you see, church, God is calling us to not just open our hands in the area of giving, but open our hands and our heart in the area of relationship. To say, you, can, you, don't, you don't just get the bread from me, but you're going to get the conversation from me. Now, I'm really thankful that this whole being married thing with Riley, you know, this whole being married thing. But in my marriage with Riley, like, he's not just like this computer that I look up, you know, and I go, wow, money just got deposited into my account. So thankful for that, whoever that man is who just gives me all this money. With the checkbook comes, more importantly, the relationship, right? And sometimes we're in church, we're like, I did my, my church duty and I met a need financially, but I, you will not get my heart. And I'm here to tell you, we need, we need all of it. That's all in Christianity, is that we need people that need to sit and they need to walk with you as you follow Jesus. That was what the household of Stephanus modeled, was that I'm gonna give everything in my time and my money and all that I am. Are you guys okay? Yeah, all right. So here's the linchpin. Here's the, 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 the defining thing is that transformed hearts will transform the world. Transformed hearts will transform the world. What would cause these believers to give everything? What would cause them to be willing to commit themselves to a community that the founding member of the community, Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, would say, hey, this is actually going to cost you everything. Like, follow me, and then, and then I'm going to bid you to come and die as well. 
What would cause these men and women to come and give everything they had knowing that they may not get to see the next day because of persecution? What would cause them to live open-handed and open-hearted? It was that they had been radically transformed by Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel. They had watched Jesus model a life that was open-handed and open-hearted, a life that paid for them to have freedom. And they were transformed by the gospel of Jesus, and it led to them transforming the world. That is the same reality today, is that transformed hearts will change the world. I'm amazed week after week. I love coming in, and there's people here sometimes earlier than 7 a.m. starting to prepare for a Sunday morning. And there's people praying, and there's, there's, there's people coming in, and, and they're watching Dream Teamers kids so that they can serve and make today happen. And, and, then, and then there's people, they're just serving and serving, and they're giving, and you look, and you're like, why are you doing this? Why do you come and you serve two services, and you, and you, you, you go and lead a small group, and, and then you're loving people at your work? What would cause people to do that? It's not a convincing message. It's not they got a free shirt. Like, it was the free coffee. Like, we're convinced that the free coffee you get for coming for the first time is not what's going to cause you to, to, like, give everything. What is it? It's that when you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ and you recognize that we who were far from God have been brought near and he's invited us in to bring now those who are far from God near, that that, that, that transformation that only comes from Jesus will cause us to do ridiculous things, to see people come to know him. That is what the early church had. You could, they, they, had, they had an unquenchable joy. You could not, you know, they were like the bozo clown we talked about a few months ago. You punched them and they popped back up. They're like, you, can, you can't take anything from us. It all belongs to God. Because transformed hearts will transform the world. Did you know that even in our world around us, much of the things we see as beautiful things in the Western world were actually birthed out of the church. You know, in, in this culture, in, in the, the time of the Roman Empire and Roman culture, children were so, life was not valued for young or old. And you would often find, usually it would be a little girl, because if it wasn't a, a male child born, then they, they were waiting for the male heir, and so they would take little girls oftentimes, and boys, and you'd find a brand new baby at a dump, just there waiting to die, because the parents just threw them away like trash. And it was the Christians who began to go, and they would find these babies, and they would take them in, and it was Christians who began orphanages. And in this time, if you were sick or if you had something physically, some sort of disability and were unable to work, you were deemed worthless and worth dying. And the Christians, even when they were heavily persecuted, they would find people who were sick and in need and they would take them in and begin to care for their wounds and care for their needs. And it was hospitals were birthed out of Christianity. That even today, people who say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, they still get to benefit 
from hospitals all over the world because it was birthed out of people who had been changed by Jesus and seen him do those things. Many of the greatest universities in our society were birthed as seminaries. And it was the value of Christians to educate and to, to let people learn and know how to read and be able to understand the Bible. And so they began universities and many universities that we applaud that now seem so far from Christianity, they were birthed because of Christians. We could go through so many things in our culture, in our world, that are the product of people who had an encounter with Jesus, were changed, and they simply said, I'm all in. I have to change the world around me. That was what the early church was birthed, and it has been strong through every kingdom since making a difference. You all right? But you know, here's the, the reality is that oftentimes when our hearts begin to get closed, our hands start closing with it. You ever found in life that sometimes as we, we go through situations and things, disappointments happen or we start distancing ourselves from the Lord and, and our hearts get a little hard? Have you ever found how quickly Serving becomes a chore. How generosity becomes like, how dare anybody ask me to be the church? And then that's usually when we're like, the church needs to do something. I found so many times in my life that as my heart gets hard, my hand gets hard. And what used to be a joy and what used to be so life-giving, suddenly I start counting nickels and counting my time and evaluating if I want to give my best to that person or, or not. You know, in the Old Testament, when we look at Deuteronomy 15, um, there was something in the Old Testament in the children of Israel, the people of God, that God put into to their foundation. It was, it was we, we learn about the Sabbath and and so at, at that time in the Old Testament, when they would celebrate the Sabbath and they would remember God on the seventh day and they would rest from their work and they would remember uh, just God's faithfulness and him being, being creator. But there was also something called the, the Sabbath year. And so every seven years, and the Israelites, the children of Israel, God told them, every seven years, I want you to let the land rest. And so in that seventh year, you're not to sow any seed. You're not to take any fruit from the land. You're to completely trust me and completely rely on my provision for you. And by the way, the people that are enslaved because they owe debts in the seventh year, doesn't matter how much they owe, they're forgiven of their debt and they're let to go free. And those people that you, in those seven years, you loaned, you, you uh, gave them a loan so they could have the land, you're to forgive their debt and let them have what they couldn't pay, you eat that and they get what they purchased. And so God speaks to the children of Israel. Anybody here like, I'm kind of glad we don't do that anymore? You, know? <laughs> you guys are liars. There was like no hands up. You're like, I'm going to go to all of y'all for loans now. Like, <laughs> since. <laughs> and so God speaks to them and he says, but if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. The band can come up. And do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. 
For if you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. But give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. And there will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in needs. So check this out. God knew the heart of man, which even us now in the New Testament, I think we, we still have this tendency. He knew that in the sixth year, um, well, that person that was really broken and you knew didn't have enough to pay you back in 12 months, that the hard-heartedness of man would, would calculate the risk factor and say the ROI, the return on investment's not too good with you. And so they would calculate and say, I don't want a loan to this person because there's no way by the time the year of uh, the Sabbath year comes, I'm gonna have to give them the land and I got nothing in return. Or I'm gonna have to let them go free and I'm gonna lose something in this. And God came to them and he said, hey, when that comes and you're tempted to do that, don't harden your heart and don't be tight-fisted. But trust me, because I'll take care of you. And I think, church, we have the same temptation in our life. It's to count our time and to look at our schedule and look at our money and look at everything and, and kind of quantify and calculate and say, is the return on investment worth it? Like, if I give that to the church, if I, if I pour into that person, like, can they actually pay me back? Can they actually give back what I'm giving to them? And we can suddenly begin to get so to this point where we're not trusting God and we're counting and calculating that our hearts get hard and our fists get closed. And the same God, he didn't change. He says, when you're tempted to do that, don't close your heart, but remember who takes care of you, the living God. And you can never outgive God. You take care of the widows and the poor and you, you meet the needs of those who can never pay you back. You open your home and hospitality to the person who can never invite you to their home. And I got you. And fast forward a few thousand years and Jesus comes on the scene. And the first day he comes up to preach a message. He flips open the Bible to the, the scroll. And the scroll he opens up, he goes, it's, it's from the prophet Isaiah. And it's really the call message of our house. It's the, the, the message God gave to Pastor Steve as a young man when he called him. And Jesus comes to his, his, this place and he begins to read these words. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And he goes on to say, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And you have to understand every Jew that heard this, they knew this language because this was the language of the Jubilee or the Sabbath year, the year of restoration. And it was what they knew that in that year you were to forgive the dead and you were to, to, to trust God. And Jesus comes in, he says, I am here to be that fulfillment. I'm here that every one of you that's blind, I'm here to open your eyes. Every one of you that's in debt and you've been enslaved, I'm here to set you free. And I'm here and you understand that in front of you, this has been fulfilled. The Jubilee, the Sabbath, the restoration of God is in front of you. 
Come on, that's good news. And I'm really thankful that when Jesus showed up on the scene and he saw people who could never pay him back, who were not a good investment, he didn't grow hard-hearted and close-fisted. But he said, oh, the, you know what, what, what the father was speaking thousands of years ago? His heart never changed. And you know the church that he's birthing, his heart is now going to flow through them. That we would be a people who are still in the business of bringing restoration to people, forgiving debts, seeing captives set free, seeing broken hearts still healed. That we would say, God is a repayer. That God will take care of me. I just have to keep my heart soft and my hands open. But God will make sure to get it to me if he can get it through me. Come on, I can tell you that there are so many times for Riley and I that we have these crazy weekends and we're just like you guys. We're, we're serving and our houses open or events are open to serve people and, and we're going all over driving and just serving and you'd think we'd be tired and Riley comes into work and he's like hi ho hi ho off to work we go. and he comes in all stoked and, and then he's got other co-workers there and, 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 and they just look like they probably climbed Mount Everest that weekend you know and they're like you know he's like what'd you do all weekend they're like you know we watch TV we're exhausted and he feels bad telling them what he did that weekend because there's something supernatural God does. He says, you open your hand, you open your schedule, you open your finances. I don't get it, but he just gives you strength and he gives you the oil of joy and he gives you the favor and he comes in. And I'm just here to tell you, church, we were meant to live with open hearts and open hands and to just give like crazy and trust that God will get it to us. If he can get it through us, that God is wanting to use us to bring liberty to our city, to to bring hope to the hopeless. Come on, some of you today, God's stirring your heart to open your home, to host a connect group. And you don't have to know the whole Bible, but you just gotta show the love of Jesus. Some of you today need to be in that groups meeting and just say, all right, I'll assist a group, I'll lead a group. My hands are open, my heart's open. Whatever the need is, God, you can have me. I'm gonna let you use my life. Are you guys okay? So here's where we land. This plane, finally. Couple heart checks and next steps. Just let's check our hands. Check our hands. How's our generosity towards God, towards his house, towards what he's doing? How are we doing in the area of our serving? Some of you, your next step you know already is, man, I need to start letting God use my gifts. Join a growth track and being at the dream team, so whatever it is, like you have a gift God's given you and he's gonna do something so powerful through you. Second is checking our heart. It's just doing a heart check. Am I living in this godly community? Listen, it is so crucial. You are needed every Sunday because you're the church and we need to be together every week, gathering, getting what God's speaking to our house for our community and living in that community of group. Man, don't forsake the fellowship. It's so powerful. And how is our hospitality? There's a lot of power that God can do through a bowl of popcorn and a cup of coffee. And I just wanna tell you, man, like if our church, may we be a house, a community of people, that people look at Joy Church and they say, they are crazy hospitable. Like it's not a select few, but they just open their homes and their hearts and Jesus shows up in their living room. 
because they're just being the community. Amen. And here's a lot. We're going to talk about our commitment as a church. You know, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been studying what this looks like and we've been making some declarations. And this morning, if God's stirring in your heart and you say, man, I love my church and I want to commit to, if you go to the last bullet point, it says, I want to commit that because I love my church, I don't stand on the sidelines, but participate wholeheartedly with my time and service. And if that's your commitment this morning, we're gonna just read through our whole statement. And it's just us making an outward declaration of something that's God's working in our heart to say, God, help me to love my church tangibly by doing these things. So let's say this together if this is your prayer. How many of you guys today are saying, I want that commitment that we're looking at today, amen? Let's read this together. Because I love my church, I will commit to show up, step up, and speak well of my church community. I will be a person of prayer, the word, and worship. I will be a person who is financially generous to God's house and his people. And I don't stand on the sidelines, but participate wholeheartedly with my time and service. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout. But if you would just bow your head and close your eyes. This morning, every single week, people come to this place looking for life, looking for God. And I wanna tell you, you came to the right place, that you're in the midst of a lot of people who will say, you know, we were completely lost, helpless. But this Jesus that we're speaking about who came to set the captives free and open blind eyes, he's changed our life. And he's here to, to bring life to you today. He's here to bring restoration to you, to set you free from those things that you've never been able to find freedom in. He's here to have a relationship with you. And the Bible says that if we will believe in our heart and we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he would save us. And so if you're here today and you're just saying, man, I wanna put my trust in Jesus, I wanna make him the Lord of me. I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's your desire today, would you just raise your hand wherever you are, from the back to the front, every person that says, Jesus, I need you to save me. Just lift your hand. Awesome. I see those hands. I see that hand. Come on, wherever you are, hands going up all over the place. People saying, Jesus, I need you. If that's your prayer, wherever you are, we just want to give you an opportunity to just lift your hands and just say, Jesus, this is an outward declaration of something internally that God's doing, amen? Last call, you're here this morning, you say, man, I, I need Jesus to save me. I need him to give me a brand new life. Awesome, we're gonna all pray together. Uh, repeat this prayer with me, just say, dear Jesus, I put my trust in you. I surrender my life to you. And I receive the life that you paid for. Help me to follow you, to walk in your ways all the days of my life. If you'll be my God, I'll be your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just give a hand to every person here?